This episode of the Model 3 Owners Club podcast is brought to you by Doolaban Insurance. If you live in Ontario, Canada, and are looking for the best price and coverage on your Tesla, give Doolaban a call at 1-855-385-4226 or visit our website at doolabaninsurance.com slash Tesla. bit of late breaking news this morning of course right after we recorded the podcast i wanted to throw it in here tesla just made an announcement this morning of three things number one they feel that autopilot is so important and is so safe that they are now including it on all cars going forward so for example a little bit of a price increase um, the standard range plus used to cost 37.5 it now costs $39,500 so it's a $2,000 increase whereas autopilot used to cost $3,000 um, no mention whether the standard range car will be effective but I'm going to say yes the second part of the announcement is leasing is now available for customers in the US on the Model 3 so now you have an option of an annual mileage of 10,000 12,000 or 15,000 miles and the last bit of information is Tesla is streamlining their production so what they're going to be doing for the standard range Model 3 is that they're going to take the standard plus battery and they're going to do a software limit on it range will be affected by about 10 percent so all good news that they're following through on that um, they also say that for customers that really want a long range rear wheel drive model 3 you'll have to visit a store to talk to one of their sales specialists to place a, a custom order for that anyways we'll have more information as we follow through with this stuff as uh, as the days go by uh, so let's get back into the show <laughs> Oh, we're having a good time. Good evening, everyone. I hope uh, you're doing well. We're just starting the podcast. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you for everybody for listening and joining in wherever you happen to be. I am joined this evening by my good pals, Ian Pavelko and Eric Camacho. Gentlemen, how are you doing this night? Hello, Ian. Hello, hello. Um, I think it goes without saying, uh, congratulations to everyone at SpaceX. Uh, flawless launch. Flawless launch today at Falcon Heavy. Um, I know we were talking about possibly watching it during the podcast, but lo and behold, they uh, they actually launched on time today. Actually, a little sooner we kind of expected today because they've had some delays. But um, as always, fabulous to watch. And of course, they nailed the landing, both side cores and the middle core. On of course, I just I still love you. That was epic. Work of <laughs> art, man. Just a work of art. I was saying yes. before the show that the uh, the past two days have been nothing but amazing when it comes to science. Between the discovery of the the first photograph of a black hole in yeah. M eighty seven, and now the the SpaceX launch today, so uh, a banner week in the world of science. You know, SpaceX makes it look easy, but as we know, uh, yeah. science and space is very difficult because the uh, you know the Israeli, the Israeli uh, space. Uh, administration of course they yeah. lost their lander today which was very sad because uh, you know they were trying to land on this thing of course SpaceX launched the device and they've been mm -hmm. over the last month uh, trying to get it in orbit and stuff they successfully got in orbit and then during the uh, deorbit to the landing today they lost the spacecraft so sad news but uh, you know at least uh, we didn't lose any lives so that's always good uh, maybe they can try again, raise some more funds, build another one, and off they go. Um, what we were saying, I mean, you know, you had a little bit of trivia. What were the uh, only three countries in the world to actually land something successfully on the moon? U.S., China, and Russia. That's right. Mm -hmm. We were hoping for a fourth one, but there's always next time. They'll make it's, it. still ama it's still amazing, though, that since the 70s, only 12 American men have ever set foot on the moon. Um, and I want to say in the last week, uh, NASA had a press conference where they were talking about 
the first woman and the next man to go uh, land on the moon. So, uh, you know, it's it's long overdue to have a woman uh, land on the moon. Uh, it'd be great if it's an American. If it's not, that's fine. But now we're seeing both private and public uh, entities trying to essentially race to get back to the moon. So I think SpaceX is on target to do it first uh, before NASA does, but uh, certainly that partnership is uh, not to be disregarded. Well, at least their launch vehicles in the play because SLS, as yeah. we know, is horribly, horribly over budget and uh, behind. So now they're looking at uh, alternatives, and one of them obviously yeah. is uh, a Falcon Heavy with a, a modified second stage so they can actually send that. Uh, the Orion capsule, of course, and the uh, I think it's the European service module. Mm -hmm. um, they built the service module for that thing. So anyways, exciting times. Ian, yeah. you, you look like you had something to say. Yeah, I was just going to add, one of the things um, I know that um, one of the um, one of the managers at, uh, or directors at, uh, at NASA got in, thought he was going to get into trouble because there was a talk about, or he discussed publicly the idea of having a composite spacecraft that would be part SLS and part Falcon. Uh, I forget exactly what the configuration was, but it was some sort of an interesting arrangement where they could mate the stages um, to get up there quicker. And, you know, he was like, oh, NASA's going to hate it if I say this. But you know what? So be it. If that's the solution that gets everybody up and running the quickest, you know, go for it. That's mm -hmm. why have they thrown so much money at the at the commercial sector to get this stuff done. They're not interested yep. in lower, or lower Earth stuff. They want to be able to go out to the stars and stuff and... Uh, yeah. You know, I'm sorry. I mean, at the end of the day, the SL, I mean, this is turning into a space podcast, but that's not the point here. But, you know, the, the whole <laughs> SLS thing at the end of the day is, we're, we're good. <laughs> the whole SLS thing has just turned into an employment scheme. You know, it hasn't really yeah. borne any fruit. And it's sad to see because, you know, I kind of miss those days. But anyways, it is what it is. And we, you know, we'll continue to watch whatever happens in the space sector because it is of interest to us. Um, having said that, we have to get into the show because there is so much news to talk about. A lot of it is really tweets on, you know, on Elon's part because a lot of uh, information comes out of that. And uh, more continuation about autopilot. Autopilot is still the hot topic, of course, because of, you know, the latest software update came out with the no confirmation on um, lane changes on enhanced auto or uh, navigate on autopilot. I, I'm still trying to get the term straight in my head. Yeah. Anyway, so the first one that comes up, is a uh, is a tweet by Elon, and I'm going to bring it up here on the screen that you guys can't see it here, but we'll put it in post for most of you. Um, there was a question here. Uh, Vincent actually had posted something about the uh, Gigafactory 3 in, in Shanghai, and uh, Elon replied to his tweet, and he said, uh, said building the primary structure um, uh, completion seems to be on track for May. Then it will take several months to install and activate the factory equipment. He was just correcting Vincent. Um, Bonnie Norman jumped in and she said, uh, are you uh, doing an exact copy of the existing lines? Meaning, can we reuse validation plans, existing processes and training, et cetera? Right. And Elon responded and says, no, it's better. So I'm hoping that they don't reinvent the wheel too much, but if they have better processes, because let's face it, they don't design a factory like this in six months. This has been gone going for years, of course. So I'm looking forward to seeing that because the progress on the Shanghai Gigafactory is just incredible. I mean, they Very don't fast. fool around in China. <laughs> it's yeah. it's the same thing, but it goes to 11. Yes, exactly. And again, we still haven't seen any expansion in the Gigafactory 1. Of course, the, the, the news kind of going around right now, and it's unconfirmed, of course, that uh, it looks like uh, there's a possibility of Panasonic and Tesla kind of cutting back a little bit on their expansion plans. Now, you know, that could be on the battery side of things. That doesn't necessarily mean that they can't expand the Gigafactory because, of course, as we right. know, the default plan is to expand the Gigafactory 1 in Sparks, Nevada, so they can actually start production of the Model Y, the Tesla Roadster, and Semi. We're just assuming at this point it just makes sense. So we're looking forward to that. 
Um, right. Next one is Elon uh, took to Twitter and talked a little bit more about the FSD computer because uh, there was some talk going around as to, you know, how much processing power does this thing have? Um, let me just bring up the right tweet here so you guys can see it. Here we go. Um, yeah, so there was talk about the FSD computer. Uh, someone named Anner um, had jumped on and says, will it require going to a service center or it can be done by mobile? We're talking about the FSD computer upgrade, Phil. So for those of you who, uh, who bought FSD, and I've been saying it, many times having seen it myself personally in my dash that you know a mobile service technician can do that Elon confirmed it mobile can do it no problem and then someone else jumped in just afterwards and says what's the compute load on the AP 2.5 cars which basically encompasses all cars made today as of about three weeks ago because hardware three cars or FSD um, computers now are actually being manufactured and they're actually in cars. Um, Elon took to Twitter and, and responded 80% is what the current load is. And he went on to confirm a little bit later that the new FSD computer can do exactly what AP 2.5 computers can do now at 5% load. 5%. So this computer has legs. And um, even even if it can do what it can do now at 5, imagine what it'll be able to do at FSD. I'm hoping that they still have some headroom in this thing. But super impressive. Uh, we know for a fact that the FSD computer is actually in cars because our good friend Eric and Dave uh, from the Tesla Inventory YouTube channel took delivery of their um, uh, Model X. And uh, they took it apart and uh, discovered it definitely has the part number for the uh, Hardware 3 computer. It's funny, the, the nomenclature that they're using for, for the FSD computer is very interesting. Um, we all call it Hardware 3. Tesla internally on their website ordering calls it hardware four and Tesla is insisting we call it FSD computer. So the numbers are kind of interchangeable. So, you know, hardware three, hardware four, if you go to order something and FSD are all the same thing. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> I wonder if there was a, a third generation computer that got stillborn because what's with the four? Um, well, it's because internally they had a, um, the 2.5 computer, I think the the numbers were, the, uh, they called it 2.5, but I think... Um, I Maybe mean, this it was, was 3. Like a, yeah, it, it, there was some confusion and some misnumbering going on, whatever. But uh, uh. anyways, we got to get in the habit of calling the FSD computer because that's what Tesla wants to call it from now on. So that's what it is. But if you're out there and you hear 2, 2.5, they're very close. I mean, they're at, yes, there are some differences between 2 and 2.5, but FSD is the hardware level 3 computer. So if you hear that, that's the same thing. Uh, I know it's confusing. It's crazy. Um, right. So another tweet we're going to get to here is something that we've talked about before or people have sent in questions. I've seen it on my YouTube channel and it has to do with um, autopilot detecting potholes. And can the cars um, be able to detect potholes eventually and avoid them? So, yes, we definitely have a tweet because uh, someone dropped onto uh, Twitter and uh, I have one feature request, swerve the car whenever possible within the lane to avoid small potholes to increase tire life. Elon responded with definitely. Um, you know, you have to remember autopilot is largely a vision-based system. So if they can train the visuals uh, on the computers to recognize different things, they can take action. Of course, doesn't happen overnight. They need to train the systems as they go. But this is encouraging because uh, Ian... You know uh -huh. what potholes are all about. <laughs> yes, they're a large part of what, what furnishes my paycheck now. <laughs> 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 
we, yeah, it's sad to say that, yeah, a lot of wheels get destroyed here. You know, like we pride ourselves on having super pothole resistant wheels, but at the end of the day, nothing's indestructible. And, you know, the OE wheels suffer the same fate ultimately. So, yeah, no, I think that's fantastic. I mean, because especially when you're in, it'll be interesting to see if it can beat the human reaction time. Theoretically, it could, right? Because when you've got your own, when you got enough distance yeah, in front of you of to course. see it, but it's when you're sure. following a car in front of you and like there's three milliseconds of, well, oh, there's that no bang and you're in it, you know, and I think at some point it wouldn't surprise me if the SS, FSD computer has got the wherewithal to spot it and avoid it before a human would even move their hands. Well, how many reports are we going to get of people like freaking up with cars jerked out of the way if they don't make it smooth or something? So, well, well maybe, maybe because, yeah, because you won't even see the hole, right? The computer's going to, and it's like, what, what was that, you know? <laughs> Well, the moment my car does anything weird on autopilot and Miss Daisy's in the other seat there, she flips out. She goes, what the heck happened? (sighs) It's just autopilot doing its thing, dear. Yeah, exactly. It's a teenager. Anyways, more information uh, is always good, so we're looking forward to that. Um, Speaking of which, more autopilot stuff. Um, Enhanced Summon is coming out this week. Now, Elon had tweeted this last week. Uh, let me just bring up the tweet here on uh, April 6th. He says, Tesla Enhanced Summoning coming out in the U.S. It's very important to remember that it's in the U.S. only next week for anyone with Enhanced Autopilot or Full Self-Driving. So if you bought either one of those, you're going to get Enhanced Summon. Uh, that should be releasing this week. We started getting some reports that it is starting to go out. So um, that is one feature. I mean, Summon, I actually used Summon once today. I actually went downtown. I parked in an underground parking and uh the car was really tight and i said "Mm, i think this is this is a job for batman so i pulled out um my phone and pulled out the car and it worked um and i figured okay but enhanced summon is something that i'm really looking forward to Mm -hmm. and uh, we actually have some more questions about um enhanced well something that ties into enhanced summon but we'll talk about that later when we get into the uh viewer and listener questions by the way thank you for everybody for sending in the questions um if if you're watching this on YouTube and you don't know where we get these questions, we ask them on Twitter, but you're feel free to uh, send us questions. Um, you can just send them to, um, I forget where their email address. I'll give it out at the end of the show when I look it up. But uh, <laughs> I know, I, you know, I'm not prepared for that part. But uh, It is it, not it, Trevor George. was wrong at uh, <laughs> TeslaOwnersClub.com. Well, no, I think we got to start. We got to start a new one. It's, it's Trevor Forgot. Yeah, Trevor Forgot. He was forgot. wrong. He just exactly. forgot. Yeah. Hashtag That's, Trevor oops. Forgot. That's right. <laughs> Oops. That's it. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Uh, confirmation. Our good friend Earl um, hopped out onto Twitter and uh, he published. You don't say. Um, you don't say. Got to like that. Um, this article comes uh, courtesy of Tesla Roddy and confirming that early tes- uh, early access program will reportedly be extended to full self-driving buyers. Now, um, this is confirmation. This comes from our good friend Earl, who received an email from Tesla on that very same question. Uh, because he bought FSD way back before any of us ever did during the fire sale time. So this really applies to those who bought FSD prior to, um, I think it was February 28th was the cutoff date. Yeah. uh, Before they had the fire sale. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, again, it's Tesla kind of confirming what they had said before that was uh, that was going to be one of the privileges for for people who bought it early was to be able to get into the early access program they basically go on to say that once we have the appropriate information we'll be uh, communicating to customers invitations will go out automatically to all qualifying owners the good news is that there are no extra steps needed on your part to receive the invitation so it'll just happen automatically Um, likely you get an email from Tesla saying you're in and uh, here's your NDA and uh, off you go (laughs) 
Although NDAs I, don't seem to mean anything these days when it comes to uh, early access, because we've seen plenty of stuff talking about what's going on here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Um, the next next one here is a, a little Actually, bit of follow-up. Yeah, go ahead. I'm gonna, I, I, we, we, we sort of skipped around, I think, what was the biggest autopilot news, which is the fact that we now have Navigate on Autopilot with no lane change required. Correct. Correct. Uh, did we talk about that? Because I don't think we did. And that's like a well, pretty I did a video. Thing. I put out a video yesterday you because did. I, f I finally I finally got it. Now yes. some people will say, "Oh, this right. is old news. This came out last week, and there's plenty plenty of videos." Yeah, but you know, being Canada, we're always usually you know a week or so behind. Just typical conversion rate. Yeah, conversion rate. Yes, exactly. So I had a chance to test it out uh, myself. I did a video. I'll link to it. And you guys can watch it on your own. But uh, Ian, you've received it. Yeah, I did. I um, what was it? I got it on Saturday, and I immediately took it out for a drive up and down um, Highway 40. So I, I reported back my findings, and then of course that was a whole slew of questions on how it worked. So we had a, a good little thread going, and who mm -hmm. pops up in the middle of the thread? Uh, but Mr. Musk himself, ah. which which was kind of cool. It's like what? Okay, phone starts getting warm. But it answered a great question. And a lot of people were saying like there were reports that. Yes, it doesn't require any confirmation, but if it doesn't detect your hands on the wheel, you have to give the steering wheel a tug or something like that. So in other Correct. words, it really does it does require confirmation. And I was like, no, I did for me, but my thing is I constantly hold a pressure. You know, there's different ways you can do it, right? You can give the car a little tweak every 20 seconds or you can just keep a steady pressure. I don't know which method you guys use, but I just sort of lean my hand there. I find it's easy hands in the lower 7 o'clock yeah, position. Yeah, exactly. So I found it doing that, just keeping a constant torque, uh, it was fine. It didn't require any additional input. And conversely, a lot of people also reported in that they found since the 8.5 update or whatever update you got to give you no confirmation, they have to put more force. I don't find that. Do you guys find there's any difference? In the I force? haven't. No, I haven't noticed a difference no. Uh, no. In, in that. I so, find that just resting my hand on the steering wheel and just the micro movements of the vehicle jostling is mm -hmm. just enough to put enough yeah. torque on it. Just, yeah. it. It just works. Fine. Yeah. Um, there have been times when it's just like, okay, well, let's just do the autopilot thing that I used to do, which was just give the, the steering wheel a flick every second or two. And that seems to work it um, just as well. But you know what? Just having your hand in the corner just works works just fine. Well, the, you know, uh, the speed of... Sorry, go ahead, Derek. No, I was going to say, the, the one complaint I really have about it... Well, kind of two complaints. Um, but the, the major one is... <laughs> so I have Mad Max mode set for my uh, NOA... And the thing is, even with that, I do feel like the car is overly cautious trying to change lanes where it almost seems like I have to have a block's distance between <laughs> my car in front of me and the car behind yeah. me. So yeah. there are times where I, the driver, if I have full control of the car, I would turn into the next lane far sooner than what autopilot's been doing. So I don't know if that's just more of the metrics of building an extra, you know, redundancy and safety, which is probably what's happening. Um, but um, there are a lot of drivers here in Florida, for example, if I turn on my turn signal, that's their indication. I have to go faster to keep you from getting in my lane now. And so I'm, I'm kind of like stuck in the car just waiting to kind of get its clearance. The other thing I've noticed, too, is that there are times where it wants me to go into the lanes to the right for my exit, for example. But the traffic is so remarkably slower that I don't want it to get that lane. So it seems like every time it says, you know, tap on the screen or use your stock to cancel the lane change, 
it might be like 10 or 15 seconds before it asked me again and it asked me again and it asked me again. Um, that's annoying in, in many ways because I have, you just have to constantly be on top of it. Um, I'd rather the car decide to bypass slower traffic and then get into the lane to get to the exit rather than go from, let's say, 75 miles per hour down to 55 when I still have two miles to go until my exit. Yeah. I, would, yeah. I would get there faster going 75. So that's that's kind of my little nitpicks with it for right now. But it's it's been it's been comfortable to drive with it. I had two things happen to me. Uh, matter of fact, today one of them was uh, the car decided I'm going to get into this lane, and then it's just like, nah, maybe not. <laughs> it just it just says no. I'm out. And uh, this and the other one was this morning. I was I was I was driving down the uh, 404 to go to downtown Toronto. I had a job to do this morning. And I have my avoidances, or not the avoidances, but, you know, the time saving to set to about five minutes. So, um, of course, when you come down, I mean, if you know Toronto, you come down to the 400, uh, the 404, and you get to the 401 east-west, and that, that is just, it's gridlock all the time. And my car, of course, is in the HOV lane, so it wants to move over. And then when I got to the navigation part, it wanted to take this huge detour, go on the highway and take these residential roads to get around this roadblock that is basically mm -hmm. south of the 400 um, or the 401. Anyways, so to make a long story short, it kept trying to change lanes to get into the lane. To, to I just want to go straight. I don't care. I mean, if it saves me five minutes, whatever. So I hear I'm playing with the settings, trying to say, you know what, forget it. Just put it 10, 15. It never changed. So at some point, at, at, at the point of no return, it just kind of gave up. But it kept putting the blink around. I'm like, stop, 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 stop. So eventually, I just canceled the whole thing and just kept driving. And then it went, oh, okay, I get what you're doing. So I, I wish there were maybe some other settings in there, uh, maybe not to do that. Or like, you know, on some GPSs, um, you can press a button and it says take a detour and we'll just pick another route. Yes. Right. Uh, that I would like on the navigation system. Like, stop doing this, pick another route. Just like, you know, whatever. That's just me. Otherwise, it's been okay. But yes, I understand your 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 concern of a of about uh, of it being a little bit trepidatious. I've I've noticed it um, in the last couple of days. It seems to be more trepidatious or uh, more cautious than it has been in the past. But mm -hmm. maybe it's just part of their validation process. They're just being a little bit more conservative until they uh, until they get some more miles under their belt, and then they can just maybe crank it up a little bit. But uh, I, I, I actually I'm pretty impressed with what it can do so far. Yeah, yeah, I know for sure. And some things it's actually better at now than it's ever been. Like, I mean, I I'd complained last week about uh, eight point uh, four, well, both three point three and point four being really jerky with the speed adjustments following traffic, like just basic tack functions. And that is so smooth now, and it's it does a much better job, I find, even at lower speeds, of staying a very close distance to the car ahead of you. Before a car would accelerate and it would take it forever to catch up, and you know six more cars would get into your lane. And now it's like, whoop, mm -hmm. it's uh, right. In I there. don't find oh. that. I usually nope. have to find. I have yeah. to nudge my car. Yeah, I'm like, okay, it's time to go now. So I'll just step yeah. on it a little bit. Maybe, maybe from a dead stop, but I'm talking, you know, from like 20, 30, 40 miles an oh, hour. Oh, that's different. But for yeah. me, from a dead stop, it's like, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go, and this guy's <laughs> gonna get in my spot. You know, you know how people are. Anyways, enough of talk about that. All right. Uh, <laughs> it's always good topics. So much to talk about. Um, I want to take uh, just a couple of minutes here. It's a little bit of follow-up from our discussion last week. Uh, we had a viewer question come in from someone named uh, Wilson. And he was asking specifically about the Model Y internal camera. You know, like the Model 3 has the internal camera. And... Um, 
So we have some confirmation because uh, a Twitter account called Living Tesla, I'll bring it up here, you guys can see the tweet here, until Tesla or Elon Musk tells us what the camera is doing uh, for me, I'm shutting it off. So he basically put a little video, he puts a little sticker on it. Elon immediately got on and said, it's there for when we start competing with Uber and Lyft and people allow their car to earn money for them as part of the Tesla shared autonomy fleet. In case someone messes up your car, you can check the video. So there's your confirmation, Wilson. That is exactly what the camera is for and what their intents are. So uh, yeah, Model Y will certainly have that as well as any future cars coming and, and whatever updates that Tesla does. So that's a little bit of follow-up on that one. First time we've actually had some, uh, some interesting info, like literally the very next day <laughs> after yeah. we did that, um, that, that information came out. Mm -hmm. Okay, moving along, some more stuff, some good news. Um, someone had been asking <clears throat> uh, about the video situation. One of the common questions people ask about is, uh, when is the Tesla screens in the cars going to support some kind of video? Now, Elon last year said that they were going to add video playback capability to the cars sometime in version 10 of the software. We're, we're, right now, we're essentially at version 9. Version 10 will largely be next year. Uh, so... It popped up on Twitter again. Uh, Jeff Finkelstein asked, uh, does it support video playback while in park? And Elon said, it will enable video when parked and connected to Wi-Fi. All Tesla superchargers will have free Wi-Fi over time. So this is good news. This is a great move, um, adding Wi-Fi to the supercharger. I hope they have high-speed Wi-Fi. But um, that's awesome. I think, you know, there's lots of times, you know, I can't be bothered to you know, play the video games. I don't play the video games in the car all that much, but certainly I can be able to watch a video or something like that while you're supercharging because let's face it, you're there for a few minutes. So all good news. Um, yeah, somebody posted a video underneath, you know, hey, we can pull up Netflix. That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> well, he did say a while back that that was going to happen one day, wouldn't he? Be able well, get... that's what I'm saying, that yeah. they would add video support to the cars um, in version 10. Now, I think a lot of it has to do with um, the browser at this point, because it really has to be a browser-type function. And we know that uh, the current browser in the cars does not support HTML5 video. Just no processing power in the browser, as we know, sucks. So it is what it is. Uh, okay, another piece of information. This was interesting because, you know, Century Mode has been making the rounds, of course, and unfortunately, Century Mode on my car um, does not work. I don't, I'm kind of attributed it to my uh, computer in the car, not being fast enough to be able to write the videos. I had all kinds of problems with my screen and software reboots and stuff until I just yanked the USB key out, and I said, fine, I give up. Car's been great ever since. <laughs> yeah. uh, different on Model 3 because you guys have a faster processor in your car than I do in my car. Um, I have to talk to my buddy Mike. He has a uh, newer Model X than I do, and he has the uh, Intel-based MCU. So I'm going to have to ask him and see how his is behaving. But on mine, yeah, it's not even worth the. It's not even worth it. So, anyways, getting back to uh, Century Mode, um, this uh, in um, uh, video, and I'm going to show you the video here. Uh, I'm just going to bring it up here and play it. This came uh, courtesy of uh, ABC News Seven, uh, where a thief was caught. Uh, breaking a window, and um, he got arrested. <laughs> I think he got arrested. Mm -hmm. so yeah, that was he the was on where ABC. He saw the car in front and the license plate and the whole thing. Um, yes, I, yes, a little bit later on. Yes, that's right. Exactly, it's coming up here. So he gets yeah. in some kind of Honda, and the license plate was captured. So, yeah, Sentry Mode actually works. <laughs> Yay! All right, let me just pause this video here. Good thing there's no music. We don't want copyright issues. So yeah, awesome. Um, I, I mean, I don't, 
you know, it's funny. The, the dash cam on my car is not something that I use because I, I actually have a quality dash cam. So it doesn't bother me. And you know what? I really got to hop on Twitter and, and ask Elon and see if it's possible to be able to have sentry mode independent of the dash cam. I think maybe in my case, it's just overload. I don't know. Um, if I could turn off the dash cam and just use sentry mode, I'd be perfectly happy. Maybe they can make that happen. I don't know. You guys, um, do you guys use the sentry mode, the dash cam function? I don't. No, neither. I do. no, I no, I, I I haven't even configured the file folder. I'm so lazy. <laughs> <laughs> like I haven't used the dash cam function. I haven't. No, no, no. I, I just drive, drive, man. Just drive. As long as the just car drive. drives. I'm just, yeah. That's yeah, that okay. old punk song. Just drive, she said. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I I will eventually. I mean, I can see the value in it, and after seeing these incidents that have already been caught on on you know on the key it's like wow there's a lot of value to this so you know the odd time i park somewhere sketchy i'm definitely gonna want to have that hooked up oh a little bit of a psa for those of you who have sentry mode who are looking to do software updates make sure you turn sentry mode off before you apply the update um uh, i know that firsthand because I had uh, <laughs> uh, I had 2019 8.4 on my car and everything was fine, and then I got an update on my phone saying you know there was a software update, and I tried applying it. Uh, turns out it was 8.5, and uh, it kept failing, and I'm like, what the heck is going on? Until I went into the car, and the car big bright letters didn't say it in the app, but it said on the car you got to turn off Sentry mode. I said I turned Sentry mode off in the app on the phone, and it said uh, I don't know what you're talking about. So yeah, if you if you have if you have issues with software updates not taking on your car, especially if you do it from the app, uh, make sure you turn off Sentry mode because the app will not tell you that; only the car will tell you that. So, just Uncle Trevor giving you a little bit of a PSA there. Uh, okay, moving along, we're still talking about firmware here. Well, there's been a lot of reports uh, that uh, 2019.12. Now, it's interesting because it looks like it's been pulled or halted. Um, I do believe that this, this is an early access uh, program software release. So since it's in the open, we'll talk about it a little bit. Um, there is a, a thread going on on the forum here, and someone had posted some screenshots, so I'll just bring them up here. So again, they're talking about Navigate on Autopilot, uh, some improvements, of course, on the high-speed performance, but some other stuff in here that's coming. Um, here it is right here, software updates. So now there is an opportunity now by tapping on the screen controls where you can um, actually request software downloads from Tesla rather than waiting for them to stage and just kind of waiting. Um, that you can actually request uh, request them, and it will actually give you a progress meter as it's downloading. I'm assuming that this is just on, yeah, it says it's just on Wi-Fi. So again, Elon coming through on something that he promised that was going to happen. The next little bit is some more games for the uh, Tesla, for the Tesla Tari. I got to get that straight. So addition to some new games, uh, 2048. Uh, we know that Lunar Lander and Asteroids are still in there. Um, they did pull... Uh, pole position. Pole so position. I know, yeah, I know a lot of people were asking about pole position. Um, turns out that Tesla had problems with licensing or the rights or something mm -hmm. like that, and that's why they pulled it. Um, they said that they were going to add some kind of game later on in the future that will be similar, you know, kind of a racing thing because it turns out it's very popular. Mm -hmm. So they will add more of that. Uh, let's Super see Breakout, I think, is uh, planned to come out for Tesla. Yeah, there. Yeah, Super Breakout, and in the Tesla video, and I don't have it queued up here. But they put out a video, and uh, one of them is Tempest, one of my favorite games of all time. Oh. So, yeah. 
So looking forward to those games being added. Let's see, the, uh, this update looks like it includes also the promised on-route battery warm-up. This is the one, so if you have a destination yeah, typed into your car cool. and you're on your way to a supercharger, that it will actually uh, start warming up your battery before you get to the supercharger so you get a good, solid uh, charge rate. Um, they're talking about some additional language supports in the car and a the updated Chromium browser, of course. Um, so hopefully that'll make the browser actually usable and something that will get uh, Elon's or not Elon, but uh, Ian's hair growing here is a tire pressure monitoring system, a reset function. Um, yeah, man. Tell us, tell us why uh, reset's important, Ian. Well, reset's nice to be able to go in there. You know, uh, if you're having problems with the sensors, where you could manually re-trigger that that it relearns them um, at the basic. But that's not exactly what what made the hair start to grow. What what really got me excited was the fact that you could <laughs> reset. Just easy, man. No, no, no. It, that would be a good thing, really, if it did that. And it's like, more <laughs> updates, more updates. We can just fill in this little spot here. But uh, no, the, the cool thing was you could set the threshold pressure, and I've lost Eric, that uh, <laughs> the alarm will come on at. And let me explain why that's important. Like uh, the factory pressures on Model 3s, for instance, range between 42 and 45 PSI. So let's suppose you have a car that's programmed to 42 PSI as your standard pressure. Well, when the pressure starts to drop, you know, if it gets cold or if you just get, you know, something in the tire and you start losing air, at some point you'll get a trigger. Like you'll get a warning on the uh, on the screen telling you maybe around 36, 37 PSI, link, link, link. There'll be a little, there's you're losing pressure type of thing and it's going to keep pestering you until you attend to it. Um, if you want to run your car on the track, let's say, ideally with certain types of competition tires in a certain size, you might want to run a pressure somewhere in the 30s, which means you're going to be getting that warning all the time. Mm. And uh, I've never experienced this myself with the car, but in certain instances, if you've got a TPMS warning and it's not attended to, it might actually start tightening up some of the car's functions. Like it might not let us access track mode anymore or any of the um, the sportier things that the car can do. It might start to get a little bit more conservative. But at the bare minimum, you don't want the TPMS warning light you know, going on when you're trying to set a hot lap. So I thought this was cool. Um, and it's, it's a nice gesture. There's a couple of American car companies that have done this, but Everybody else has been very tight about it because it's, you know, it's a regulatory thing, right? What if you set the wrong pressure in there, you know, and you lose a tire and something happens? So um, that's a very cool move on Tesla's part. And they, it says right in the release notes, you know, to support aftermarket tires. Yes. yes. <laughs> Usually OEMs are like aftermarket just never appears in their language. And I love that they're doing that, you know, like power to the people now, you know. Well, we know for sure that the uh, early part of the winter, of course, we had a lot of problems with uh, aftermarket tires because everybody's switching over to winter tires. And we had all kinds of problems with the TPMS system going off, of course, because Tesla, as it turns out, was not uh, validating other tires other than what they were selling. Well, it actually wouldn't trigger the TPMS, but what it was doing is it was dry, is making oh, the, right. regen it was the crazy. Regen. It was the regen. I, yeah. I apologize. Yes, that's right. But, I got my um, nomenclature screwed up. That's okay. <laughs> uh, Trevor one was last... wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah, Trevor was wrong. Okay. <laughs> one, one more little bit here at the bottom here is uh, auto steer stoplight warning. That's the one where it detects stoplights. Um, again, that's probably a regulatory issue. I wouldn't necessarily see mm -hmm. that in Canada for, well, who knows? But um, yeah, um, that's not necessarily stopping the car at a red light. It's just a warning. So again, it's right. part of the FSD function so that um, they can actually deploy FSD eventually because FSD needs to be able to see street lights in order to do its magic. Mm -hmm. So that's some of the uh, information that's come out now. Uh, the talk that's going around on the forum right now 
is looks like the uh, the release of that has been halted. They probably found some edge cases, some bugs, or whatever the case may be. Um, it will come, whatever the version number happens to be when they release it. Well, we'll know eventually when it happens. I think the current release that's out now, the latest is what eight point six, right? Mm-hmm. Something yeah. along those lines is about. Um, I, I have to check yeah. Teslify. But it's round there. I have uh, 8.5. So, I mean, there's always different point releases between the cars. It's just one of those lockstep type things that seems to happen. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see here. Eric, um, I want you to take on this one here. Uh, Tesla has released their Q1 safety report. Mm-hmm. Um, as they have promised they are going to do every quarter. So uh, take it away, Eric, and let us know what's been going on. Sure. So the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration uh, puts out crash statistics on a yearly basis, not on a quarterly basis. But Tesla's been putting out some numbers and uh, will first reveal what their numbers were for Q1 of 2019. According to the report, the um, in the first quarter, we registered one accident for every 2.87 million miles driven in which drivers had autopilot engaged. For those driving without autopilot, we registered one accident for every 1.76 million miles driven. By comparison, NHTSA's most recent data shows that in the United States, there was an automobile crash every 436,000 miles. So very contrast numbers between what Tesla produces and what the NHTSA shows. Now, where does that compare to Q4 of 2018? Well, in that report, Tesla referred of having one accident per 2.91 million miles with autopilot and um, one per 1.58 million miles driven without autopilot. So the numbers are a little bit different. Um, You can see that the autopilot number dropped from Q4 last year to Q1 this year. And the number of accidents, um, I'm sorry, the, the, the total number of miles driven increased for those without autopilot. So there's kind of a a shift in those numbers there. But all in all, that includes any near miss. So if the car detected a potential collision and alerted the driver and the driver took an evasive action or the car did it itself, Tesla includes that number. The NHTSA number only includes actual accidents that transpired. So if you're looking for data that's really going to show how Tesla's doing uh, with trying to get to... Um, level four and level five autonomy. So far, these numbers are very strong indicators that they're heading the right track and they've continued to show outstanding results uh, on a quarterly basis compared to that of uh, all other vehicles across all other uh, markets. So that's what the uh, the report is for uh, this quarter. Uh, Again, we're seeing the same trend time and time again. And um, one thing I do want to add here, this is a story in Tesserati, but MIT recently did a study Um, with Tesla owners who have autopilot on their vehicles since 2015. And they've tracked over 1 billion, billion with a B, uh, miles driven, and found that most of the time, about 35% of the time in which um, the autopilot was engaged, there's about 19,000 disengagements were annotated, indicating that drivers are, in fact, very aware of what's happening as they're driving. So uh, a lot of folks seem to think that if you're not aware of autopilot, like, oh, you're just going to sit in your car and you're going to do whatever you want. You're going to shave, eat your breakfast, you know, play games (laughs) in your phone, whatever it is. Uh, But we've seen that Tesla drivers are very responsible and in many cases are um, still hand on the wheel, taking evasive action, doing doing what they can to, uh, to avoid accidents. And the numbers in this report show that. I think part of the discrepancy, I think, between the last quarter and this one is largely because of winter. 
Mm -hmm. uh, up where we are, people are driving a little less, um, you know, things. Uh, so that might be skewing the numbers. So it'll be interesting to see what reports uh, happen over the next yeah. two quarters, just to kind of bear that out. Because, of course, they, uh, they've only started doing these reports, uh, you know, a few quarters ago. So, yeah, all's good news. I mean, you mm -hmm. know, Autopilot's certainly doing its job. So yeah. looking forward to that. Um, Eric, I want you to talk about this next one here, because this is kind of in your wheelhouse, because it's America. Political. Oh, America! Yeah. America. Yes. Um, so, as it turns out, there is a um, there is a possibility that um, the federal tax credit could be extended by giving the manufacturers an additional four hundred thousand cars allowed to that. So, go ahead and tell us about this. Sure. So, here in the U.S., there's been some conversation in the last week or so regarding what's called the Driving America Forward Act, or DAFA. Again, because we have to have acronyms, acronyms baby. I know. DACA, DAFA, STEAM, all that stuff. So the uh, the bill is called the Driving America Forward Act. And what it would do is it would grant each automaker, and of course this largely would focus on General Motors and Tesla initially just because of the fact that they are either eclipsed in Tesla's case or as close to doing so with General Motors. Um, it would give each automaker a $7,000 tax credit for an additional 400,000 vehicles on top of the existing 200,000 vehicles that were eligible for the $7,500 tax credit. And it would also then shorten the phase-out schedule to nine months. So that's the thing. Now, the other thing that's part of this bill is it would also extend the hydrogen fuel cell credit through 2028. Now, the bill is estimated to cost about $11.4 billion with all but about $91 million of that to extend the EV tax credit. Now, the thing, and, and I'm going to be very conscientious about this, uh -huh. um, our White House administration has said that they want to basically cut the program altogether. Uh, they want, they realize that the, <laughs> um, the amount of money that it's losing, the current program is losing, uh, is in excess of $2.5 billion over a decade. I'm someone who feels like that is a worthwhile expenditure uh, to try to curb um, climate change, to curb our emissions, and to get more electric vehicles on the road as fast as possible. Um, when I look at our budget with the military, you know, I, I sort of have some questions on how much is being dedicated uh -huh. for that. And we're also, there's also now been conversations in, in Congress this week where our, um, <laughs> our secretary of education wants to cut funding to education programs. So it, it is weird on the things that in, in America that we're trying to uh, sort of cut funding from are the things that we vitally need more than anything else. Um, that being said, there is bipartisan support with this bill. Uh, there's Republicans and Democrats, both in the House and Senate, who are supporting this bill. Um, I have hope that they can do something, but it is entirely possible that if it does go to uh, the White House desk and the president decides to veto it, uh, you know, we'll see. So this is a long, drawn-out process. We're not sure when this is going to actually get passed. Uh, again, they're just in the initial stages of trying to propose the bill. It still has to get put on the floor. It have to get voted on. Um, but if it were to materialize, if it does get passed, uh, this is a substantial boost for those who are looking to get an electric car, maybe now are trying to figure out uh, when to get theirs. We know right now the current program in the U.S. is set to expire at the end of this year. Uh, it's already now April, so we don't have a lot of time left for those who want to capitalize on the 3750 now or 1875 later. 
But yeah, it's um, we're, we're the calendar is getting pretty narrow. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, if if they can get this passed and they can get some extension on this, it'd be great for all manufacturers, especially those that are trying to get their EV programs online uh, as fast as they can. So I have a question, and yeah, you know, I'm just kind of spitballing here. What if sure. this was passed maybe towards the end of the year? Or mm-hmm. a little bit later, let's say it gets passed maybe sometime next year or whatever. Could they? Do you think there's a possibility they could make it retroactive so that other people would be able to claim the tax after the fact? Or do you think it would only be applicable at the time of it, of it going into effect? Well, they're, they're certainly indicating that it would be adding uh, 400,000 vehicles. So whether that's from when you hit the mark. But I mean, the, the the question then comes into working with the IRS here in the U.S. How do you then retroactively work on your taxes? Do you have a special addendum or a modification? Mm, right. Like I'm not a tax expert by any means, but like oh, no, my taxes no. for 2018 have already been filed, um, yeah. and I and I certainly was in that window for 7,500. So yeah. if someone were to purchase their car, say July 2nd, and they're in the window for the 1875 at that time, are they going to be retroactively added? I, I mean, I would hope they are, um, but then that would make sense for anybody in 2019. So if that's the case, then there is a chance to, when you do your taxes come 2020, to essentially get the 7000 as part of your credit versus what you would have received now, which is 3750 or whatever it might be. Um, so it is interesting. Uh, so seems overly sure. complicated when it's tied to taxes like that. I mean, look, I mean, it, it is it is by and large a complicated system to begin with. I mean, again, these numbers are all what you could get. It's not what you actually get. I Correct. got about I got about half of the seventy five hundred dollars when I did mine because yeah. I'm a broke guy who doesn't make a lot of money. So the amount of money the government decided to give me was was sort of uh, hurt. And um, I'm a firm believer in that the tax cuts uh, that were brought forward by the Republican um, leadership that hurt a lot of people. I think if if the tax changes had not, if that tax cut hadn't happened, there's a good chance that people like me would actually have made more money in a return than they did. Um, so it is it is a very complicated issue. Uh, I, I wish I knew more about accounting to to give you a straight <laughs> yeah, answer. So me too. Um, yeah. But I but I my my gut tells me this is not going to work. I just if this was if this was a different uh, leadership, I would feel pretty confident. Um, I just I don't see it with this one. But again, it's you know it's we've we've seen bills come out of this Congress from both parties and nothing gets done. Nothing gets done. So we'll uh, we'll see. But it, it'd be it'd be great if you're if, if you are hinging your hopes on this, don't. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Never, never hinge your hopes on never, anything never. when it comes to politics. Right. Uh, yeah. We we went through the whole thing uh, last year when our uh, when our rebates were canceled unceremoniously. Um, there was a short window where there were some lawsuits involved, and Tesla finally won. And last I heard, about 150 were were affected uh, by that. So they were about 150 people. Um, could have necessarily placed their order again for the car and still qualified for the rebate. But then, uh, yeah, it took them a long time to pay out. And I I know there's some people that are still waiting for their rebates. Um, Yeah. Well, it's going to be almost a year now. So, but they they seem to be going through it. I was going to say, like General Motors and Tesla has been fighting for this for over a year. You know, collectively, uh, there's a there's a Republican uh, named John Barrasso. He's a senator uh, in the U.S. He's on the environment. Now, mind you, he's he chairs the Environment and Public Works Committee here in the U.S. Okay, 
uh, two months ago, back in February, he proposed he proposed legislation to ready get this to end the credit and then impose a fee, uh, a highway user fee, on electric vehicles to pay for road repairs. <laughs> I mean, it's just that's it's the a, best move possible for the environment, right? Right, but, but that's that's what's weird though is we we're, we're we're in this time and place, and we talked about this before the show. Which is you could be you could be handed on a silver platter information that is vetted and has been proven and is just clear as day evidentiary information. And you have denier after denier after denier who are in positions of power who are making it so insanely ridiculous to actually get anything done. And you know, I know I understand I'm on my, my high horse here, but um that's it okay. is it is it is bothersome for me to see people like this that just don't understand. Like I understand you want to have like listen, here in Florida, and this has been mentioned on our show before, our roads are pretty bad here. We we don't have straight asphalt. We actually mix it, it's like a shell, like crushed yes. shells. Yeah. Because the road gets extremely hot. So we have just now on ninety five, there's been doing a project lately where they're resurfacing a lot of the highway. And they have to. It's just a, a thing they do. I can't imagine I have to be the one that would pay for that as an EV owner, but some some gas guzzler next to me doesn't. When the majority of cars on the road are not electric vehicles, or even hybrids for that matter, and most of the damage caused cannot be because of electric vehicles. They haven't been on the, ro- the roads that much. Mm-hmm. So this, this f- complete, and I'm going to use the word idiocy, to propose that kind of legislation is counterintuitive to everything we understand about the way that we're driving. And there's been a, a great study this week done by Vox. If you haven't a chance to read it, they're talking about um, what Barcelona wants to do, which is create super blocks. And what they're trying to do is get more cars off the road, make more of their city a walkable city for pedestrians and cyclists and things like that. And that kind of foresight, that kind of planning um, is an ingenious way of saying, here's a problem we identify. And we're going to make very vast changes to the way we look at our city as a whole. And yes, there's going to be some inconveniences, but we're looking at the greater picture of how it affects our community as a whole and how we're going to make getting to places actually a lot easier and a lot safer. And by doing by getting more cars off the road and by making streets passable for pedestrians, you're overall changing the way that your city is designed. You're 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 changing how like you're going to make people want to go there to just be like. This is great. This is safe. I can live in the city. I can live in this building and walk to the grocery store. I can go to this restaurant. I can bike to school and things like that and never have the concern of being hit by a car. Um, so it's, it, it is – look, all of this to me is, is a simple thing, which is I would love – if you are someone who lives in an area where you got a, a representative of your community who um, – essentially is trying to get legislation passed that counters what your interests are. And this has been talked about on our show for those of you who live in, in the provinces in Canada or here in the U.S. or anywhere in the world where you have a chance to voice your democratic vote. Get out there and, and do that. You are empowered. You are the people that can make a difference. Don't just kind of sit with your hands crossed and wait for something to get better. Write letters. Call your representatives. Do what you can. Make it known that what's happening is not what you want to see. That we need to do everything we can now. Like the every day that passes that we're not doing something to actually better the environment, 
We're just making it worse. And I'm 41 years old. I don't have kids. And I'm greatly concerned about the next generation to come because I'm fearful in the next 40 years what my world's going to be. I can't even imagine in the next 50 to 100 years what theirs is going to be. That's it. That's my rant. Okay. I, I Thank you, Eric. Uh, Eric Camacho, 2020, you. folks. <laughs> That's hey, right. You, you got me in the. I mean, look, this is this is a a big bill. Um, I I hope it works out, but it'd be great if we could incentivize electric vehicles for far beyond this. Um, because you know, again, yeah. I mean, it'd be great if we sing it now for solar roofing. It'd be great if we saw it for all kinds of stuff. I mean, California has the fifth largest economy in the world. In the world. And they're doing things that yeah. a country should be doing as a state. Yep. So, oh no, I, I agree 100. Yeah. percent California gets it, and there's many European countries that get it. Um, but it just seems in North America, it's just like Ugh. it's like la 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 la. They just, yeah. you know, I don't know. It's frustrating. Lobbyists. Yes, yes. And speaking of Europe, one more little bit before we move on. Um, <laughs> Switzerland. <laughs> Switzerland. Finally, numbers came in for Switzerland in March. Woo! Model 3 uh, became the best-selling passenger car in the country, beating long-standing bestsellers like the Skoda Octavia 801. Uh, cars sold the VW Golf at 546. Model 3 is in the fourth all, all overall position uh, in 2019. 10,000. Um, no, where is it here? Uh, the numbers have seemed to have shifted. I, I had uh, 1,094, but it turns out it's uh, 1,371. Yeah, right. So in, in just the month of March alone, they just registered March. just under 1,100 Model 3s. For the year, they have under 14. Oh, that's what it is. Yes. Right. And exactly. so for the year, so they're fourth overall in the year. The Skoda Octavia leads all the passenger vehicles in uh, Switzerland. Yeah. But yeah. For, for, I mean, mind you, deliveries in Europe didn't start that long ago. So in a very short time frame, they've now taken the lead position uh, just this past month, and uh, they've quickly uh, gained ground on uh, Volkswagen and Skoda and others. But yeah, they're already the fourth most registered car in Scan in, in Switzerland. I'm sorry. Uh, and so we're, see we're seeing this increase because as more countries come on board with the Model 3 deliveries, it's going through the roof. It's mm -hmm. two parts. Uh, I think it's, of course, the pent-up demand because people are waiting for this car for a long time. But the second part has to do with fuel costs. When People, people are smart. <laughs> you know. And if you look at the fuel costs in Europe, which are easily double what they are in the U.S., um, yeah, it doesn't take very long to figure out, you know, if you're spending uh, six, seven, eight dollars a gallon of fuel over there, and you can get a car that can drive on pennies, um, you know, yeah, okay, so the cost delta of the car maybe is a little bit more, but for the overall length of the car you're going to keep it, pays for itself. So I think Model 3 is going to do exceptionally well in Europe, um, probably even better than North America will ever see, mainly because of the fuel costs. I mean, this yeah. is, uh, this is, they've got a winner on their hands, that's for darn sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, two little bits of information. We can't talk about much about it because it still hasn't happened yet, but uh, Tesla has an, uh, announced that they will post their financial results for Q1 of 2019 after the market closes on Wednesday, April 24th. So you'll be able to read those financial dis um, paperwork. Uh, you can go to the website called IR, that's Investor Relations, ir.tesla.com. And uh, I think after the market closes, I think it's about 5 o'clock... Um, our time, right when the markets close, and yeah, in the around, US, around four yeah, and about yeah. To, so in California, they'll usually have a press call 
uh, that you'll be able to listen in on the on the uh, shareholders or not the shareholders but the um, the uh, earnings results webcast. You'll be able to tune in on that. So um, obviously that will happen. Then uh, we will talk about it on the twenty fifth. Interestingly, this happens literally two days after the full self-driving demonstration in Palo Alto at their headquarters. So no I think the timing is a little interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's some skewing going on that they want the uh, they want the financial people to maybe stop looking at the Q1 numbers maybe a little bit and focus on, hey, look at the shiny little thing we've got going on. So, uh, you know, we know Q1 numbers are not going to be all that great for earnings. Um, there's a glimmer of hope uh, going forward. But uh, yeah, I think the timing is um, is uh, is very interesting on this. All right, so that should be a very uneventful week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One more little piece of information before we take a break and hear from our sponsor, and then we'll get to viewer and listener questions. Our good friends at Jetta Wireless, those are the guys that make the uh, wireless charging pad for the Model Three, they've told me that this weekend they're going to be launching their uh, their version one owners uh, upgrade program. Uh, details will be posted on their website and you can follow them on Twitter as well. So for those of you who have a version one who would like to upgrade to the version two uh, pad, they will have a special discount. Uh, like I said, details will be uh, out there. I just wanted to put that out there because they're really good friends of ours. They make a stellar product. So those of you who had that and want to upgrade to the version two, which is really, really good. Highly, highly recommended. I actually like it better than Nomad one personally. Um, yeah, so you'll be able to uh, check that out. So uh, look for that sometime this weekend. I'll tweet it out when it happens, and uh, so you guys can follow along. I just wanted to put that on their behalf. So we're going to take a uh, little break here. We'll hear from our sponsors at Fine Lab, and then uh, we'll get to viewer and listener questions. Fine Lab has aligned protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic, and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. Fine Lab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. Fine Lab and Tesla, we were meant for each other. Well, it's that time on the show where we answer your viewer and listener questions. Big thank you for everybody sending them in. Uh, again, look for them uh, on a weekly basis. We try to get them out on Wednesdays or Thursdays before we do the show. Look on Twitter. We have a Google form that you can fill in and uh, you can submit your questions. So jumping in here, the first question comes from Maurice. He says, what happens if the phone key, which is the key card in the Model 3, shuts down during a drive? Will the car conclude that you have left the car and stopped driving? as there is no Bluetooth connection to the phone. Well, that's pretty easy because we all know, well, you guys know, of course, uh, the key card, all it really does is it authorizes for you to put the car into drive. Um, if you take the key card away, nothing happens. Mm -hmm. um, you will still need the key card to get into the car or your Bluetooth connection has to be there in order to unlock the vehicle. But otherwise, the key card, all it does is authorize you. It would be a huge safety uh, problem obviously if if something were to happen and all of a sudden it just said that's it i'm shutting down while you're driving um, yeah having it, having done so many test drives only needs the car the key card to start the car yeah. once the car is started you can take the key card and put it away exactly so mm -hmm. that answers your question maurice hopefully that's what you were looking for next question comes from kevin he says uh, with all the technology in tesla why is the capability to have satellite radio not included 
Well, we talked about this, and the Model 3 and the X do not have satellite radio. The only car that Tesla had actually put XM radio in the cars was the Model S. But the only car that had it, or the model of the Model S, was you had to have the sunroof, the panoramic opening sunroof, because that's where they put the antenna. The consensus seems to be that it's the antenna is different or bulky or something to that effect, and they just haven't been able to put it in the other two cars. Now, there, I'm sure there are... Uh, I'm Listen, I'm not an XM person. I, I don't listen to that. But I'm sure there are XM devices that you can get that can stream over Bluetooth or some form. Mm-hmm. Um, there are. Or an app on your phone or something. Correct. I, I, I app on your really phone. Know. Yeah, exactly. So you can get around that, that limitation. I know it's a little interesting, but um, it, that's largely, I think, that's why um, that's what's not included. Okay. Um, Ian, you want to talk uh, to Darren? Darren submits a question. He says, how does the Model Y entry and exit compare to the Model X? Well, I can answer that one. And then the second part is any noise being made about the 2019 Canadian federal budget and the $45,000 cutoff? All Teslas are out. Um, well, I'll answer the first part. Ian, you can tackle the second one, okay? Sure. Um, the Okay, so... I, I, you know, the, the way I've described the uh, Model Y to a lot of people is like, you know, Goldilocks and the three bears. You got Mama Bear, Papa Bear, and Baby Bear, right? <laughs> uh, Model Y is Baby Bear. It's right in the middle. It fits. It's between the Model 3 and the Model X, not only in size. Um, so, yeah, the, the entry of, of that car is uh, definitely, it's higher than the Model 3. It's easier to get in and out of than the Model 3. The Model X sits a little higher. I, I don't forget, Model X has air suspension. So you can adjust the air suspension whether you want it higher or lower. Model Model Y doesn't have that yet that we know of. So I would say it's pretty close. It's definitely so. If you have issues with getting into a sedan like an S or a three, the Model Y or the X is is a better vehicle for you. Um, Ian, you want to tackle the second part? Yeah. So in regards to the um, Canadian federal budget proposal, where we're going to have potentially a federal rebate on vehicles of uh, electric vehicles of $45,000 or less that created of course a huge amount of noise because it cuts off number one the most popular selling EV in Canada right now the Model 3 but there was a couple of other ones that got triggered and where the discussion got interesting was the uh, Chrysler Pacifica plug-in hybrid which is built in Ontario um, was excluded from this as well. And that immediately caused a whole bunch of arms to go up at the Chrysler factory saying, hey, you know, you're going to put a big stick in our spokes here if you don't get this vehicle on board. It starts, its base price, I think, is around fifty or 51000 And the um, the federal minister for economic development immediately came out and said, oh, no, we'll we'll figure out a way. We'll, we'll get the Sebring included. That was the, the end Pacifica. of the statement. Pa- the Pacifica. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. What am I saying? Yeah. Sebring. Oh, I'm That's tired. Okay. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So, the. Jesus um, Chrysler. Uh, <laughs> and the show goes <laughs> to the dogs. Womp, womp, womp. So, yeah. So, there, they came out and said, no, no, don't worry. We'll fix it so that the um, plug in Pacifica qualifies. Well, it was a very open ended statement. There was no ensuing discussion as to how they were going to do that. Was Chrysler yeah. going to adjust the pricing? Uh, yeah. Was the federal government going to make some sort of an exception list? Were they going to raise the limit? This has all been floating up in the air. But to me, if they include it by some special clause, then to me, it opens the door for Tesla to say, well, wait a second here. You know, why does that make it in at 51,000 when the Model 3 at 47 does not? Um, that was the strangest thing imaginable. I mean, and I sort of aligned myself with a lot of people saying this was the sign of a federal government that's like, okay, let's 
give the appearance of you know being on board with this and giving a rebate, um, but we'll cut it off just below the point where it's actually going to cost us a huge amount of money because we're only going to have it to what amounts to maybe a quarter of a third of the potential sales. You know, so I uh, I appreciate the effort, but you know, really, they've if they want to have a serious effect, they've got to they got to bring it up to at least fifty or fifty one. Let's get let's get the plug in. Yeah, speaking there. speaking of which, because I have been talking to some other uh, groups that are influential in behind, you know with the government, and uh, they're making some noise about getting it raised at least five thousand dollars. I mean, I think fifty thousand is probably more sure. reasonable because, of course, then you get the standard range model three in there. Yeah, if they get an extra fifty five, then it covers even more cars. I mean, I know it the car show when I was talking to Kia, um, uh, the the Kona that they have. Is that the Kona, the Hyundai Kona? That's another one, I, yeah. yeah. That's the, another one because they're, they're only going to sell, the initial one's only going to be the fully loaded one and it's going to come in at, uh, you know, 50, 55, somewhere in there. Um, so, yeah. Okay. I hope that answers your question. Uh, let's see here. Uh, another question comes from James. He says, concerning autopilot, are the, are the software updates going to address phantom braking or other exaggerated braking? Uh, I've had a couple of instances where my car inappropriately braked on the interstate with large trucks behind me in autopilot mode. I'm most anxious about the traffic behind me in the event my car breaks unexpectedly on the highway. Love my car otherwise. Now, I haven't had any more issues with phantom braking. I've had, I think off the top of my head, three instances of it. I know Ian, you haven't had any issues, but Eric, you've mentioned even recently you've had that. Yeah. So it seems to be, I think it seems to be related. I think, you know, and the consensus seems to be the car is going slightly uphill and there has to be some kind of overpass or some kind of signage or something like that. And the radar gets confused, bounces back or something, and it causes this braking issue. So that seems to be the over, I mean, that's the evidence that we seem to have. There might be other extraneous circumstances, but, um, so it hasn't been completely eliminated. I'm sure Tesla's aware of it. Um, just so you know, if it happens, submit a bug report, press the voice command button on your car, say bug report, phantom braking at this location, hopefully it geotags <laughs> mm-hmm. and sends that report off to Tesla engineers. I really wish there was an email address where you could send bug reports or whatever to Tesla rather than the voice command. I mean, geez. Mm. I do want to. I do want to add one thing that I will give the car credit for. So this mm-hmm. happened to me uh, over the weekend, where um, I was driving home from work, and um, there was a vehicle that was sort of riding the lane next to me on my driver's side. And as she kind of kept teetering over, my car in autopilot was like, "Okay, I think the car is trying to get over," and it would like sort of like break a little bit. The the regen would sort of take a bit, thinking the car might try to get in front of me, might hit me, whatever it was. And this driver was probably doing this about four or five times, so it was annoying after like the fifth time of my car just kind of going oop oop and having that yeah. jerk motion. But it was good to have that safety feature built in because. In, even if I, I mean, I certainly saw the way she was driving, but if I didn't, the car certainly is that extra set of eyes, uh, which is a great benefit. So sometimes the phantom braking may be that there's something that you didn't see that the car did of another driver sort of creeping into your lane or do some other uh, thing. And so your car's taking an evasive maneuver. But yes, there's been instances where my car will all of a sudden start decelerating quite rapidly because of an overpass, some bridge or something else, and yeah. there's some weird shadow and the camera gets confused and that happens. But it's it's probably happened since I've had the car maybe twelve or so times. It hasn't oh, wow. it hasn't been a lot. I've had the car now for about a year. So that's it's not a ton, but it happens from time to time. Okay. 
Well, just remember to submit a bug report. Anytime you find some kind of weird anomaly with a car, use that function. Tesla. I mean, the more we bombard Tesla with bug reports, <laughs> maybe they'll pay attention. <laughs> All right. Next question comes from Daniel. He says, when will Auto Park be able to orientate itself on lines, white lines, to park itself in correct spaces without cars next to it? Even my Prius could do this years ago. I love to have this feature again. You know what? That's funny because um, that's a great question. <laughs> You'd think with all this technology available to us um, that AutoPark, um, as part of Enhanced Autopilot, would be able to um, park this way. Uh, we know that it has to measure parking spaces, either parallel or perpendicular, um, in addition to the vision system. But I, I kind of feel the same way. I, I really wish, I mean, I mean, look, uh, the car drives on the highways as long as it sees the lines. I know we've had this discussion just before the break uh, where Eric had, had said, well, Eric, you've, you give us your opinion. I'm not going to speak well, for you. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think it'll ever happen, uh, just in due part because parking lots tend to be hit and miss with the way that they're marked. Uh, you know, I've certainly seen highways that have poorly painted lines. Parking lots are almost on average uh, remarkably worse. Um, I think, the, you know, I think part of the reason is that even if you park in the middle with no other cars around you, the reason why the cameras need the other vehicles there is in due part because it needs to know how the car is going to fit. Um, and I, I think the idea of using auto park when you're there, now maybe, maybe with enhanced summon, maybe there's some component of that that it might use the white line. Just about to say that. Yeah. But that is, but that certainly is, and again, we're talking extremely slowed speeds compared to it. Auto park is actually very quick by comparison to enhanced summon. So maybe, just maybe, there'll be some ability to do that or a setting you can set down the road. I just don't see it in the immediate future. Um, just because, again, parking lots are hit and miss with how they're maintained. Um, and unless the lines are clearly uh marked on the ground odds are likely the car may have a problem and then if you're not if you're in the vehicle or not then what so it's to be seen i don't think it's going to be for a long time if at all but that's that's just my opinion i'm just going to jump in there for a second i'm curious if daniel's question though after rereading it isn't about parallel parking on the street where you have you know like the little delineations for each spot Mm -hmm. um because doesn't the Prius have some sort of an auto park where it would do its own parallel parking similar to we you know well, a lot of yeah a lot of cars have that mm -hmm. and it's just and, based and if, on if it applies to that yeah um that would be a more interesting question if you think about it in that sense so I'm going to throw out two bits of information one of them is we know that one of the features I mean let's face it um most of what Tesla has described as part of what enhanced autopilot is going to do is already here one of the future features that they're reserving for full self-driving is this seek and park mode that I've been talking about, where you'll be able to do the reverse enhanced uh, mm -hmm. summon thing, where you press the button, the car will go find its own parking space. So that basically opens up a whole other can of worms. What does it determine? What is a parking space? So I mm -hmm. think that once we see that, maybe we'll have an addition to Enhanced Autopilot to be able to help with that because we don't know at that point whether the car will use existing cars to measure the parking spot, looking for spots between cars, or just go find a parking spot somewhere where there are no lines. At that point, we'll make a determination what they're doing. The other thing, too, is I wanted to throw, and it just popped into my head here, was 
Do you guys remember when Faraday Future, that company that doesn't seem to ever release any products, uh, <laughs> did, their, did their demo at CES, I think it was a couple of years ago, where they had mm-hmm. the FF91 slowly go out into a parking lot, and their demo was seek in park mode, let the car go find a parking spot. And I remember very distinctly at this um, demonstration that they had a parking lot full of cars, and they randomly chose a car, that's what they said, um, to to take out to open up a spot and that is the exact spot where that car went and parked it was not an open parking spot so at least in their demonstration they were looking at places that it could measure to actually fit into so again it just goes back to what is tesla's intentions going to be is it going to be looking for parking spots where it can actually measure between cars because that's ostensibly what it does now or are they going to expand it and rely on the vision-based system to say yeah it's an open parking spot i'll go park over here time will tell so we really don't know what the answer is. I think it would and, be and awesome wanna, to have it. I was just saying, I do want to add now, the other problem too is that there are many times I'm driving the road and I'm stuck in traffic at a stop light or something else and the parking icon pops up on my screen thinking oh, that yes. there's a place to park and there isn't one. Yep. So to me, there's a danger in making the leap to go that, okay, the car should be able to park in an empty space with nothing else around it when it already has difficult time understanding whether I can park now or not. Um, and, and you're like, well, I'm, I'm on a highway. I can't park here. I don't understand. So it still has much to learn as the software gets better. And look, this might, let's go back to the FSD computer. If the computing output of 2.5 is 80% capacity now, and now FSD can do the same processing power at 5%, mm-hmm then maybe that's the computer that's going to change the way we think of auto park and everything else. But yeah. if we're looking at just a current computer, I, I just can't see how it's going to do it in this version. I just, I don't know how to. Well, that's why they've said the seek and park mode is reserved for FSD, which yeah. requires the, you know, FSD Our computer, which is the computer upgrade. So it's going to be a lot process- smarter. Yeah, there's, it's going to be a lot smarter. So, all right, I think we've beaten that one to death. Let's move on here. Sam asks, <laughs> will a standard range Model 3 have a newly designed battery pack? Um, well, newly designed is interesting because Elon did confirm um, some tweets ago, and I don't have it queued up here, but he did say that there were going to be some efficiencies in the standard range battery pack that they were uh, trying to fix. And I think that's, I don't know if it's one of the holdups because we've seen a lot of um, standard range plus cars being delivered, but a lot mm-hmm. of people are still waiting for their standard range, like the bargain basement $35,000 car we've yet to see that yet so um we'll remain to be seen on that I mean we really honestly won't really know definitively until somebody rips open one of these battery packs and confirms it so that'll be uh, you know Jason somebody like Jason Hughes or um uh you know the Monroe Associates if they mm-hmm. decide to do a tear apart or somebody buys a wrecked one maybe Rich Rebuilds will do something who knows my money's on Rich he'll do something like that mm-hmm Okay, last question of the evening comes from Eve. He says, due to the Model Y, there is uh, most likely going to be an influx of used Model S and X on the market soon. Uh, what would you recommend as a checklist? Also, aside from looking at the uh, watt hours per mile or watt hours per kilometer uh, to check to see if the car has been thrashed, um, how would one check for battery degradation? Well, uh, that's hard to describe. It's hard to there's really say. There's a lot to say. there. Yeah there's, yeah, there's lots in there. Um, listen, Unless somebody has a Teslify account um, where they could give you access to it or whatever, it's hard to actually look at metrics as to how the car has been done because the logs in the car, at least visually from the um, energy graph, only goes 
you know, what is it, uh, 50 kilometers or, you know, 30 yeah, miles 30 or something miles. like that. So you, don't, so you don't have all that much to go on. Battery degradation, well, that's a little bit easier because you can do 100% charge on the car and you can see what, you know, what it actually goes to. So that's mm -hmm. fairly straightforward. The thing about battery degradation, though, is that Tesla's, I mean, we have good evidence now. We have good numbers. I mean, the car's been made for seven years. Battery degradation is really not that big of a deal. Um, they have very good thermal management on these cars. When somebody yeah. asked me, well, how long is the battery going to last on this car? I'm like, yeah, 20 years. Who cares? You're not going to have the car that long to even worry about it. And besides, mm -hmm. by then, you know, replacing a battery is going to be cheaper anyways because it's going to be better technology. It's going to be cheaper. So don't even worry about the battery. I, I, that's not something I would be concerned about. Yeah, I would, I would add a couple things there. So one thing is a lot of the SNXs that are on the roads now, most of them are leases. Yeah. So, so in many cases, those vehicles within two or three years are being turned in. So you could already now, if you went online to Tesla's uh, website and you're looking at used vehicles, those are all, and I shouldn't say all of them, a fair amount of them are going to be leased vehicles that were just turned in at end of lease and the owner decided not to actually pay the uh, the residual. So that's the first thing. The second thing is when it comes to the batteries, yes, they're designed. Their intent is to last two decades. If you have the car for six years, wonderful. You still have uh, two years left on that warranty that was put out by Tesla. And if you happen to buy an S or an X, well, congratulations. They had an unlimited mileage warranty on the battery so you could i mean there are teslas now and you'll see this on the, the whole drivetrain right yeah, the whole drive that train, yeah. they have everything's the original there are cars now that are eclipsing half a million miles driven everything on the car is original brakes battery everything still original except yeah, for somebody just tweeted and wipers yeah i was just showing somebody today they tweeted out that they had two hundred fifty thousand kilometers yeah, uh, that's 160,000 yeah. miles or and something. And they haven't touched their brakes. And they haven't yeah. touched the brakes. They took the look, the brakes, and the brake pads are perfect. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. and that's the thing. Like, you, you can conceivably, in any electric car, not touch your brake pads for about 100,000 miles, give or take your conditions. So if you Region live in a your friend. climate where, you know, there's salted roads, you might find some rusting and things like that. But generally, you're not going to have to worry about it for 100,000 miles. And there are a lot of American vehicle owners who don't even have their cars for 100,000 miles. Again, because leases or trade-ins or whatever. So it, they're valid questions. I just think that when it comes to electric cars, especially with Tesla, it's not a thing you think about. It's not what you worry about. Um, if you're looking at a vehicle that's four years old, well, you still have four years left on the battery warranty. Sure. So if something were to happen, that's great. And you're covered. nowadays, we, it used to be that you would see about 4% year over year in degradation in your battery. Tesla's gotten that down through software and, and just overall battery technology improving down to about 1%. So if you have a 300 mile range car, you're talking three miles at worst on a year to year basis. So if you have that car for 10 years, you're losing 10% of your range at best. So, uh, or at worst rather, I should say. So it's, yeah. it's, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think it's really that big of a deal. Just make sure the car's in good shape, and if you buy it from yeah. Tesla, you have a better chance of it being better looked over than somebody privately. And that's just, I mean, the thing you have to remember, though, is that if you're looking at an S or an X, they're expensive cars to fix. So mm -hmm. whatever you get, highly recommend you get something that has some kind of transferable warranty or whatever, because, you know, the last thing you need is a Falcon wing door needing $5,000 worth of repairs or something. So that's why I bought an extended warranty on mine. I plan clean on keeping title. my car for a long time. Yeah, clean title. Yeah, stay away from stuff like salvage. I mean, unless you're rich and, and you know, mm -hmm. you can get away with that. Don't don't be doing that. And and I would I would say don't look at vehicles that are on some kind of a private seller eBay. Like if if anything, I would say start with looking at Tesla. 
then you can look at dealerships like CarMax and others where Teslas are often traded into because they get better values there yeah. sometimes. Um, but go start with dealerships. Just try to avoid going private if you can, just to kind of give you what numbers you're looking at. And if you find a private a private person selling their car for about the same value, then you might have some more confidence. But if someone's selling a car that's listed on, like, here's a 2016 Model S 75D and the person's listing it for 30000 Something's wrong with that car. I don't know. It's just they're, they're not selling the car for $30,000. It's not even worth that little unless they speaking, put like 300000 miles on Speaking of which, if somebody's interested in a really good condition, uh, Model S 70D, I think it's a 2016, uh, get in touch with me. I have a friend of mine who's at the almost at the end of his lease, and he's trying to figure out whether he's going to buy it out or he wants to buy it uh, privately. So if you're anywhere in Canada or in the Toronto area or whatever, get in touch with me and stuff. i got somebody who's who's got a car. Um, probably get you a pretty good deal on it. Well, I think that's the end of it, guys. <laughs> we did Bye, it. Bye, everybody. Wow. Well, this is the time of the show where you guys get a chance to uh, plug whatever you want. Ian, what's on your mind these days? Where can people reach you and see what you got doing? Well, as always, uh, on Twitter, the um, the handle is my name, at Ian Pavelko, with the nickname Mad Hungarian. And uh, glad to answer any reasonably short questions that you have. We sometimes get into some long stuff, and that's where I would refer <laughs> you to come over to the forum, where we can go into a nice, long-winded thread with everybody on there. Happy to do that. And on the... Um, Tesla Owners Online Forum, you will find me with the handle, again, Mad Hungarian. And then lastly, there's the t-shirt project, uh, teespring.com, T-E-E-Spring.com. Trev, I know you'll put that in the links there. So if you're looking for one of the Evolve Wear or Weapons of Mass Adoption shirts, we can hook you up. Link will be in the description. Eric, where can people find you? You guys can find me on uh, this website called Twitter, if you haven't heard of it. Uh, it's uh, twitter.com, and my handle is uh, ECFIX, that is E-C-F-I-X. And real quick, uh, while we're taping the show, uh, Elon just tweeted out that the fairing halves have been recovered from the Falcon Heavy launch tonight. So nice. more more, more parts better, coming better. back to, to shore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, That's awesome. Great there to hear that. Well, as usual, you can find me on Twitter, very active there. The handle's Model3Owners. Check out the forum at teslaownersonline.com. Don't forget, uh, we our merch store is, is back now. I decided to put out some more t- uh, um, some T-shirts and stuff just with the TOO logo on it, so you can check that out. Link will be in the description if you want to check it out. Again, Ian's stuff is more clever than mine, but hey, you know if you want to show your cred... You can get one of our shirts as well. I uh, want to say a big thanks to our sponsors. That's Fine Lab, Dulavan Insurance, and the great guys at EvanX who support us right from the beginning. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank last you. Last but not least, now, last but not least, if you'd like to support the show, check out our Patreon page. You can find that at patreon.com forward slash Model 3 Owners Club. I haven't changed the URL yet. Most people know that's where we are. Um, but yeah, we appreciate all your support. That's it for this show, and we will catch you on the next one. Uh, good night, everybody. Thanks for joining, and we'll see you later. Take Bonsoir. care. Bonsoir. Thank you.